Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Hi, my name is Dustin Ronsoval with Ronsoval Farms in Tyler, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, drought is affecting the wettest part of Texas. Deep southeast Texas, down around Beaumont, is usually always getting rainfall. But did you know the drought monitor says it is the worst drought spot in Texas right now? We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There have certainly been challenges for Texas High Plains agriculture this year. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, one local producer shares his thoughts on the ups and downs experienced by his family's operation. Monitoring water levels for livestock with technology. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll go to a South Texas ranch to learn more on Texas Ag Today. Texas dove hunting season is right around the corner and dove hunting bags valuable income for Texas rural landowners. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Deep southeast Texas is usually one of the wettest spots in the state. But right now, it's one of the driest, with that corner of Texas in exceptional drought, the highest category. Chuck Kiker is a rice and cattle producer in Jefferson County near Beaumont. Well, it's kind of unique because we're usually one of the wettest areas in the state. We always get rain. This is kind of rare. Our grass is dying. No hay fields are really growing anymore. You're even seeing trees that are, the leaves are turning brown. It's pretty dry for us. I think just here in West Jefferson County, it hadn't rained at all since probably the 1st of July. That's pretty unheard of for us. It's gumbo type ground. There's cracks an inch to inch and a half wide in the ground. Kiker says many cattle producers are running out of water for their herds. And when that happens, the only option is to destock. USDA released the latest Texas crop and pasture rent rate report. Texas farmers are paying an average of $113 an acre to rent irrigated cropland and an average of $31 an acre to rent dryland fields this year. According to USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service, farmers in Sherman County pay the most to rent irrigated fields at $210 an acre. Farmers in Chambers County reportedly pay the least at $41.50 an acre. 
Dryland cash rent is the lowest in Sterling County at $5 an acre and the highest in San Patricio County at an average of $89 an acre. NAS reports ranchers pay the least to rent pasture at $2.20 an acre in Brewster County. Falls County has the highest pasture cash rent rate at $24.50 an acre. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The new Accent Flex technology from BASF has cleared the final hurdle for approval and will be available for farmers next year. Kenny Melton is the Western Region Agronomic Services Manager for BASF out of Lubbock. We are very, very excited that we finally gotten the clearances that we needed in Mexico. That was our last hurdle in getting the approvals so that the cottonseed could be exported into Mexico, wouldn't disrupt the market. And so we're really excited about that. There was also another little hurdle that was an approval in Korea that was needed for the herbicide only version of this technology. And we received that as well. So we are clear now for going forward with our Accent Flex material. Melton says they're still waiting for approval of their new herbicide called Elite 27, but the seed will still be for sale on a limited basis in 2024. Accent Flex is a quad stack technology that allows farmers to use glyphosate, Liberty, Dicamba, and the new Elite 27 when it's approved. There have been several challenges for Texas High Plains agriculture this year. James Hunt checks in with a High Plains farmer to get his take on the ups and downs James Hunt checks in with a High Plains farmer and rancher to get his take on the ups and downs of farming and ranching this year. Chandler Bowers is an East Panhandle producer whose family has a cattle and farming operation in Gray County. As far as how things have gone this year, he compares it to a roller coaster. Every year is a different year. They all come with their challenges, and this one definitely had its challenges come May. Obviously going from what is arguably the driest year on record to substantial rainfall. We'd never complain about rain, but it came in a time that was tough to get crops planted. But it was great for the grass, no doubt. We grew lots of grass that we needed. As far as planting goes, it hindered a lot of planting, didn't get lots of cotton planted, and the corn that did get planted kind of depended on plant date, but some of it, real early stuff's probably still going to be okay. The mid-range stuff's arguably, maybe, it's going to be off quite a bit on, on bushels, and the late planted stuff, we don't know. We don't always plant enough of this really late planted stuff to know where our yield potential's at right now, or what the fall's going to bring to let it finish. With our return to dry weather in recent weeks, we need some good rains soon. But even though grass conditions have been headed a bit in reverse, the Bowers family is used to managing their herd through such difficulties. We try to stay conservative enough on our numbers that hopefully we don't have to sell in the bad years and we can afford to feed them and keep from having to sell and buy back later in a high market. And that's what works good with our farming and cattle operation. We were able to run cattle on stocks, you know, and save some forage through the winter, run some on the wheat and help save money on protein through the winter. So it works well for us. Having diversity in their operation paying off for Chandler Bowers and his family. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Keeping water sources full is more important than ever this year with heat and drought stressing water sources of all types. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at how one South Texas rancher is monitoring his water. 
For today's program, we go to South Texas, and Zach Yanta is uh, my guest. He is a rancher in Carnes and Live Oak Counties. Zach, not much rain this summer with the drought, and uh, sure makes it challenging for you to keep that water level uh, for the cattle. What have you been doing this summer? Water monitoring, it's become the number one thing that we have to tend to weekly. One ranch that we had to drive 43 miles one way just to check water, and while we're there, of course, we check cattle. This ranch has no tank water left and it has no creek water left since the drought has come on so strong and and it becomes pretty challenging to make sure that those cattle have water. We're using today's technology to monitor water level in these big 30-foot diameter water troughs. You know, it'll save us time and money if we have to drive 43 miles there and back. You're looking at 86 miles. You're looking at a minimum travel time of an hour and a half or better. If I can just get a report every every four or six hours on my phone via text or email as to the condition of that trough water level. It's really saving us time. It's giving us peace of mind and it's made our daily lives a lot better uh, as far as operations concerned. Instead of going three times a week or more just to check water, we'll go there at least once a week to check on the cattle and to feed them. It saved us two or three trips a week at 86 miles and just if you look at probably 54 cents a mile for travel, you're looking at almost $45, $50 just in travel alone. It monitors the static pressure of that water. It's really easy to set up. It took me 10 or 15 minutes to set it up. And then you go online on your phone or a laptop and you put in the input parameters such as your diameter of the trough, depth of water when full, and then at which level, percentage level, you want to be notified when it gets to, say, 50% low or below It'll signal me, you know, when that occurs. It's just been great. The monitor that's in the trough looks about the size of a handheld microphone. It's connected to a little unit outside of the trough that has batteries in it. It's highly portable. I can use it at other properties. If we move the cattle to another ranch, I can move it. It's absolutely portable. If I wanted to take it to another ranch and monitor instead of the water in a trough, if I have a cistern there, can put it in the cistern, input size parameters parameters of that cistern and it'll monitor that as well. The hardest thing about setting this up is to make sure that we have it completely protected from cattle because cattle are curious, particularly calves. They'll nose in there and if there's an exposed wire, they're going to want to lick on it and chew on it and they can destroy things like that. But but we just simply put it up where we have the water inlet to the trough where the float is and we just built a little protective area with some net wire to protect it. That is South Texas cattle rancher Zach Yanta. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove season is almost here. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag today. And itching in horses is not uncommon, but it can get bad enough to make a horse miserable. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. 
The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Register before September 7th to save on your registration and hotel room at the 2023 TCFA Annual Convention. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Itching in horses is not uncommon, but it can get bad enough to make a horse miserable. Dr. Bob Judd says that can be due to allergic reactions. And lots of these horses have hair loss due to scratching and will even develop skin infections secondary to itching. The most common allergy is insect bite hypersensitivity, are allergies to the bites of small flying insects called culicoides. Horses are allergic to the antigens in the saliva of midges, and the disease has been shown to be heritable, and certain breeds are more susceptible than others. Dr. Stephen White indicates the disease is uncommon in horses less than one year of age, but usually starts when horses are two to four years old, and symptoms usually increase with age. The disease is usually seasonal, at least in Texas. The peak feeding hours of the midges are sunrise and sunset, and keeping the horses in stall lined with ultrafine netting during these periods is helpful. Using fans in the stalls makes it difficult for the midges to land on the horse, and draining standing water helps prevent breeding of the midges. Also, using fly sheets can be helpful, and applying 2% permethrin sprays as needed seems to be effective. Horses in the pasture have a difficult time and likely will need to use oral corticosteroids to control the itching, like prenicillone or dexamethasone. These drugs can have side effects, including possible laminitis or founder, so we have to be careful using these drugs in horses with insulin resistance. Atopic dermatitis or allergy to pollen can cause similar symptoms and also can be treated with corticosteroids. Allergy testing can be performed and a serum made to desensitize the horses to either insect bites or other allergens. Food allergens can also cause itching, and limiting the food by doing a food trial is required to determine which foods are involved, as food allergy tests are not accurate. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove season is finally here. Jessica Domo has the details in today's wildlife report. The day hunters across Texas have waited for is finally almost here. The regular dove season in the north and central zones officially opens on Friday, September 1st. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, there are an estimated 28.3 million morning doves in Texas this year. That's up 44% from last year. And white-winged dove populations have risen 20% to an estimated 11.7 million birds. Owen Fitzsimmons, TPWD's Webless Migratory Game Bird Program leader, says hunters should expect to see a lot more birds on the landscape this September. He says surface water and small grain agricultural fields will attract birds. I think finding water is going to be key in some of the dry areas. Otherwise, focus on any kind of food sources, these sunflowers and croton and, and even cultivated dove fields. They're going to be pretty dried up. But if they seeded out before this heat wave killed the plants, I think uh, there should be plenty of food available and it's going to be pretty hot and heavy dove hunting. There are no regulation changes for dove hunters this year. There's a 90-day season with a 15-bird daily bag limit through the regular season. The regular season in the north zone is September 1st through November 12th and December 15th through the 31st. 
The regular season in the Central Zone is September 1st through October 29th and December 15th through January 14th. In the South Zone, the season runs September 14th through October 29th and December 15th through January 21st. This year's white-winged dove days in the South Zone are September 1st through the 3rd and September 8th through the 10th. For those dates and all of this year's regulations and bag limits, be sure to visit OutdoorAnnual.com or the Outdoor Annual app. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Dove hunting brings in valuable income for Texas rural landowners. Gary Joyner has more. About 300,000 Texans will head to the field for dove hunting this season, and most should see plenty of birds. Morning dove numbers are up 44% over last year, and white-winged dove numbers are 20% higher, according to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. We can thank a good, wet, cool spring for that. Day leases and season leases on farms and ranches are an option for those venturing out. Those properties are managed for dove, and they represent a quality setting for both new hunters and seasoned veterans. The Texas Dove Hunters Association lists many of these leases on its website. Dove hunting leases are an important source of income for farmers, ranchers, and other property owners. Every dollar counts in today's challenging farm and ranch economy. The dollars add up statewide. Dove hunting fills the Texas economic bag with more than $450 million annually. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Cattle and corn both closed in the red Thursday, but the wheat market managed a higher close. We'll look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Register before September 7th to save on your registration and hotel room at the 2023 TCFA Annual Convention. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle market headed south in Thursday's trade, both live and feeder cattle ending in the red. August live cattle dropped 220 to close at 178.80. The October down $1.42, 180.05, with December live cattle down $1.65. 184.22. Same thing on the feeder cattle. August feeders down 65 cents at 250.05. September feeders down a buck 40, 252.62. With October down a dollar 52, 255.22. Cash-fed cattle market still quiet for the week. No sales to report. Asking prices here in the south from the feedlots 181 to 182. Up north, feedlots asking 292 to 294 dressed. Boxed beef prices mixed Thursday choice up a dollar twenty-five at three fifteen sixty-one. Select down fourteen cents two eighty-nine fifty-four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, my guest. He sold cattle in Three Rivers Monday. Riley, how did it go? In 
ended up with 1,252 heads a day. Uh, like I said, the volume was a little bit uh, lighter than what it has been with the rains we had last week. Market, uh, cow market was fully steady, had the same figures on the on the rail this week. Sure looked like maybe some of the planer cattle and the lightweight, especially some uh, lightweight planer cattle, they backed them up a little bit this week, maybe stole six to eight cents. Front end looked like they were still selling about steady, and then the bigger cattle might have been a little cheaper as well. Cow-calf pairs, uh, we're not getting many of those sold, but they're kind of splitting out uh, from 1050 up to 1750 bred cows 850 up to 1450 had some pretty decent little uh, bremer cows here today bremer cross cows that bred up that sold pretty good packer cows 110 to 118 on your high yielding cows 104 to 108 on your breakers 72 to 92 on your canners high yielding packer bulls 120 to 126 low to medium yielding bulls 106 to 120 the two to three weight choice steers 254 to 290 have from eights 242 to 280 Three to four weight choice steers, 254 to 286. Heifer mates, 224 to 266. Four to five weight choice steers, 232 to 276. Heifer mates, 218 to 252. Five to six weight choice steers, 228 to 264. Heifer mates, 210 to 242. Six to seven weight choice steers, 208 to 238. Heifer mates, 194 to 216. The seven to eight weight cattle, your choice steers, 206 to 234. And your heifer mates, 190 to 210. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley. 361-813-6650 is the cell. 361-786-2553 is the office. LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. Neighbor looks like that's all she wrote. That's it for this edition of Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Me, I'm Larry Marble. That was my friend Riley Rhodes, and you're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs took a big jump higher on Thursday. October hogs up 287, 83.60. December hogs up 227 at 75.10. Class 3 milk was mixed. The nearby September down 16 cents, 1888 100 weight. October milk up 3 at 1895 100. Cotton market closed higher as traders are nervous about what kind of damage Hurricane Adelia is doing or has done to the southeast cotton crop. We closed with October cotton up 119 points, 88.28. December up 99 at 87.88. March cotton up 94 points, 87.74 cents. Corn market closed lower. Kind of surprising because that hot, dry weather forecast is continuing for the next 10 to 14 days in the Corn Belt. We close the September corn down seven and three quarters, 461 and three quarters. December down six at 480 and three quarters. March corn down four and three quarters, 497 a bushel. Both hard and soft wheat closed higher. September Kansas City wheat up four and three quarters, 719 and a quarter. September Chicago wheat up seven. At 576 and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up 14 cents at 280. October West Texas crude up 55 cents, 81.71 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 37 points at 34,890. The NASDAQ up 75 at 14,019. The SP up 17, 4,514. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org. 
or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.